You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Thursday. Friday Junior, as some call it, we are almost there and we are very, very happy that you're spending it with us here at Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and right next to me with a bat signal in the background of a Zoom call, I've got Drake Silva. Drizzy, how we doing, buddy? It's going good, man. It's going good. Just wrapping up, you know, happy hump day to everybody out there. Actually, no, happy Friday, Junior, because it is Thursday. Sorry, it's Wednesday when I'm recording this. I am stoked for the weekend, stoked for my new caseload, and I'm stoked to be talking to be back on here talking some FSU football. Yeah, man, we've missed you this week, dude. It's been uh, not that I don't love – well, no, we had, we had a three-way on Monday, and then Dave yeah, and I ran Tuesday. <laughs> Dave and I ran Tuesday and Wednesday, and now we got you back in the saddle for Thursday. Now, folks, if you listened to yesterday's episode, you probably uh, sensed a shifting of the winds, a a bit of a dynamic change, and that was, I think, intentional. You know, we've got what Drake fifty-ish days till kickoff. Uh, as of today's recording, we have fifty-three, otherwise known as Odell Haggins days till kickoff. 53 days till kickoff. And, you know, I noticed this weekend and just kind of in my comings and goings, I'm getting asked about Florida State football a lot more, not because I know anything, but because I think y'all, all of you, the fan base as a whole are ready for football. I think last year doesn't even really feel like we got football. It was COVID. We went through a long off season. We were just happy they were playing the games. And then didn't perform that well. And then the last three games got canceled Then we or two or whatever. Then we played Duke and it just, it fell off. So I think everyone's ready for football. So we're, we're still going to try to bring the energy, but you can hear I'm a bit subdued because we're now going to shift to really bringing y'all the football talk. I mean, this is, we're always going to be fan focused. There's always going to be football. There's always going to be personality involved, but we're ready to talk some football because it is less than two months away. And I, for one, couldn't be more excited. So, Drake, let's do a continuation of yesterday, a position group where there is quite a bit to talk about. And I kind of want to roll straight into the linebackers. I think, well, let's just do our front seven. I mean, we don't really need to segregate there. I think the front seven is the, I don't want to say the biggest question mark because what do we really know about the secondary more? But that's the unit that really needs to improve the most. If we get the same secondary we had last year, I think we'll be all right, skill-wise, I mean, performance-wise. But we got to see improvement at the linebacker. Do you agree? Uh, I do agree, but I think you guys sold short a lot of the defensive line players yesterday when you guys actually were discussing that. To me, I, I mean, I'm of the opinion that Robert Cooper has, like, the potential to be a third-round pick, maybe breaking into the second round. I think he's going to be very important up the middle. You guys forgot about Kier Thomas, who's going to be, like, the Demarcus Walker role is going to go inside and on the outside. Jermaine Johnson off the edge. He's not going to play really that much linebacker. If you watch his tape and at Georgia, he doesn't really go back into coverage that much, which is fine with me. I'm not that big of a fan of having your defensive ends in coverage. Personally, that's something more of a job for a linebacking core. And then also, I mean, we had Deontay Williams, but now he's in the transfer portal. You know, best of luck to him wherever he um, eventually ends up at. And to me, I know you brought up the three, four kind of uh, thing you want to do. I'm of the mindset, and from what we saw in the spring game and like from what we're hearing as well, we're going to go to a 4-2-5, which is able to hide those linebackers a little bit more and actually put that extra DB on the field. Because our DBs coming in, especially transfer-wise, like with Brandon Moore and Jamie Robinson, we're, we're kind of loaded at that position, to be honest with you. 
Yeah. And I think that's a good point. Now, I don't want to see a three, four. I was just thinking out loud that you probably are going to see more three man fronts given the personnel, but you're right. I did forget about Kier Thomas, but I think it's interesting when you talk about a four, two, five, because we've seen with the, the pickup of Hamza to the jets and the immediate move down to linebacker. There were several of those in the draft this year. We are seeing a, an evolution of the game where there is a fluidity almost between that strong safety role and that outside linebacker role in a yeah, way that it's, uh, it's it wasn't there before. It's positionless football. Like how kind of how in the NBA, now you see Scotty Barnes, for example, he can guard everyone from the one all the way up to the five. Now you're seeing that with football with Derwin James was the first big one to do that. He, you know, played in the States public. He also played snaps at linebacker. He also came off the edge. He saw Isaiah Simmons from Clemson do the same thing. So you're going to see a lot more, of that moving forward. And I think the kid, his name is escaping. Shaheen Brown is going to be playing something sort of like that. He's playing the boundary safety role right now, but they're going to ask him to come up in coverage. Cause if you watch the video with his interview from, I want to say last week, he said that, you know, he loves to hit people and that's someone you want to see coming down, coming down the line and coming down and plugging in the gaps. Yeah. I just, my concern with that is I hope they, they keep it simple for these kids because we didn't get a full implementation last year. We're working with a lot of new personnel this year. I'm of the opinion that last year you saw a lot of Adam Fuller's defense kind of, you kind of saw what was supposed to happen and you saw it not so much happen. And while it is the players making the mistakes and missing the reads, it's kind of incumbent on a coach, in my opinion, to realize that if a lot of reads are being missed, a lot of mistakes are being made, you got to simplify it. So when you talk about positionless football, that's great with a guy like Derwin James when you have the talent you had around him in 2015. But when you have this talent, I'm a little worried about trying to give kids too much responsibility, trying to give them too much autonomy. And it's like, let's just put them in a position, tell them exactly what to do, give them two or three simple reads and let them run downhill and hit people. Yeah, I mean, I was of the mindset that the planning looked really good. Adam Fuller, you can tell, is a very intelligent person. His schemes, you know, he does have the right schemes in place. But also, to me, it's a double-edged sword that the players have to be put in a position to succeed. And if, you're, if they're in the right position, and if they make a mistake, you know, the, you know, the blame will fall squarely on them. But it's also up to the coach to execute that plan. The plan is ineffective. It doesn't matter if you draw out the most beautiful plan known to man. If you can't actually implement it and execute it at the end of the day, it's your fault, Adam. And with these kids, I think we have the talent for that. Um, I know they're really, really young. You talked about your, you know, your boy Stephen Dix, DJ Lundy as well. And I think with these DBs moving to moving from the three four, which we were, we had in our Taggart under a pseudo four three to now a four two five, I think you're going to be able to with this sort of scheme, you're going to have the best talent wise players on the field at all times. And that hopefully will hide these mistakes. So that's me. That's more my optimism going forward. Because also Adam Fuller kind of, he kind of knows that his leeway is very, very narrow at this point. He really needs to, because the offense, you know, should be, you know, hitting on all cylinders this coming year. And now he has a lot of toys to play with. And if he doesn't, he's not going to be here much longer. No, that's absolutely right. This is definitely a proving year for him. And speaking of proving guys, if you want to prove to yourself that you know a thing or two about sports, Go to betonline.ag and they will literally pay you if you're right about sports. It's called gambling. Look it up. Betonline.ag, promo code locked on. That'll get you a 50% welcome bonus. And as we've been known to do, we're going to bust out one of our favorite segments, and that is the betonline.ag line of the day. Drake, you ready? 
Always, baby. All right. So Clay Helton coming into proving year, coming into his fourth or fifth year, USC has been, well, not where they want to be. And this looks a little suspicious to me, but what do you think about the USC win total regular season over under eight and a half wins? You got a little bit of action there. You got minus 130 on the under eight and a half and you got plus 100. So just even money over eight and a half. Where do you see USC finishing in regards to that bet this year? So their first three games are against San Jose State, Stanford, Washington State. San Jose State, Stanford aren't very good. Um, so that right there, I think they must start 3-0. Oregon State might be a game they lose, so that'll be 3-1 right there. And then they play Utah, Notre Dame, Arizona State, which I don't know what's going on with Herman Edwards right now. He might not be there for very much longer, depending on how the allegations will turn out. And they end up with UCLA and BYU. I think eight and a half actually might be a lot. And I say that because even though that they have Keaton Slovis, who potentially could be fighting for a one of those reach QB spots where a team takes the quarterback way too early because they panic in the first round, I don't think Clay Helton is particularly that great of a head coach. So I personally would take the under eight and a half. And I think that's what you should go for with folks. I think that's a good pick for the betonline.ag line of the day. USC regular season win total under eight and a half. So, yeah, man, I, I think win totals are interesting. If I could give the, the listeners one tip from a retired gamer, I think win totals are a lot of fun. I really enjoy win totals, and I think there's two ways to play them. One, you go and you tr- first you got to find your, your teams you're going to bet on. So I'm a big fan of always trying to prove the contrapositive. I believe I'm saying that right with win totals. Don't try to prove why it's going to happen to yourself. Try to prove why it's not not going to happen. So I take the schedule, I look at the win total, and I think, okay, eight and a half, that means they can lose three games. And I like to go down that line, and I say, okay, can I find three losses on here? And I really try to find three losses on there. And if you do that with 15, 20 teams, you're going to find one where you're like, I cannot find this many losses on here. That's the one you start with. Then I like to go into a hedging schedule. So if I've got a team, it's it's a little easier with a higher win total to do this because you'll know you've you've busted sooner, but it's safer to do it with a lower win total. So what I do with this one, eight and a half, is I'm going to bet on USC and I'm going to hit them at uh I'm going to hit them at we'll we'll say under we'll, we'll say for the sake of argument I like to go over eight and a half on this one. So San Jose State, I'm going to bet it on the money line. Boom, I'm going to hit that. Now that's going to be a very low, very low odds, but I'm still only sticking on money line. Then I'm going to roll that over whatever I want to Stanford money line. Boom. I'm going to hit that. Then I'm going to go to Washington state. Now that's probably where I'm going to start hedging and I'm going to start betting against USC some, or actually I probably wouldn't even bet in the Washington state game. So I'd let it go and I'd wait until they got to that two loss number. And that's when you can start hedging your bets, right? So if you stand to win a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, when they hit, they're, if they if they don't lose three games and they've already lost two, well, then you can start betting on them to lose. That way, if they lose that one, you make some money back. They win that one. Okay, you're down 100 bucks, but you know you still stand to gain 900. And you can do that throughout the season as they're teetering on that win total. And anyway, that's just a, a strategy I like to use, Drake, probably more than more than you folks care about. But I'm here to give you all kinds of all kinds of insight on football. Not just not just the uh, not just the X's and O's. No, I mean basically when I typically I I like looking at win totals a lot actually before the season starts. It's one of those things where either a 
I'm a happy camper at the end of the year, or I am extremely, extremely depressed and I crawl into a hole and just be like, okay, so I can't eat food for the rest of the month. I'm totally kidding, folks. I'm totally kidding. How it happens. What happens is, but, who do you guys think is going to win the the the, the Meineke Car Care Bowl? <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> okay. I got all these win totals about to bust. I need you to, I need you to, we got to hit bowl season. Yeah, folks, that uh, bowl pick em thing that we did about in December, that was more for me than for you guys. So thank you for allowing us to publish, that, to publish that. But with the with bowl, I typically stick to like conferences that I know really well, like the SEC, the Big Ten, and the ACC. The Pac-12, I think, as you know, I don't consider a real Power 5 conference. I actually would bet probably look at the UCF win total before I look at any of those. And then the Big 12, I mean, outside of Oklahoma, that they're so they don't play defense over there really that much. So I really am not going to be wagering on, like, you know, half the team playing half the kind of game. So with win totals, I I always do like the first time, the first day they drop. That's how I do it. I do the first day they drop because, like, a lot of people will take – I like people to take the over because typically people want to see more wins, more action, kind of like the same thing with totals and football during the game. So to me, I just jump on that. And typically I, I'm a big under guy. So I take the under in that specifically for most of the time. So, yeah, I think that's right. That's why you got to, again, try to try to disprove yourself and then try to disprove your disapproval because if you try to look for wins, it's so easy to convince yourself yeah, yeah, never, that the over is going to hit. Yeah, it's yeah, so easy to convince yourself. Yeah. Never, ever, ever folks. And this is my personal opinion. Max might be the same way. You never, ever try to find a reason. That I always go with the original answer that I have to the question, whether it's an exam, whether it's you know, gambling, anything like that. If you try to find a reason why you think something's going to happen, that's probably not going to happen because everything has to fall into place and fall into line and the stars have to align. This isn't a Disney movie, folks. This is your money you're talking about. So No, that's, that is exactly right. I think... Anyway, we can we can move on from gambling and talk a little more Florida State, but that's just Max and Drake's tips for y'all on how to have a profitable season. Just remember, the house is always going to win. The way you beat the house is by only playing the games you want to play. If you bet every game, they're going to beat you. Be selective, and that's how you keep your money. The minute you start chasing, the minute you start going, well, this game's at 8 p.m., so I've got to bet on this one, that's when you lose money, which is fine. If you view gambling as a hobby and you say, hey, I'm willing to lose XYZ per weekend to make it more fun to watch the games, totally acceptable. But if you actually want to win money, you gotta, you gotta, you know, pick your spots. Now, what do you what position group should we should we roll to? We've talked linebackers. I, I kind of want to talk D-line a little more because you brought up a few names that I don't know if we gave enough credit to last last night. And you know, we don't have to stay on them very long. But so you see Robert Cooper being the big man in the middle. Do you think Kier Thomas is next to him? That's probably our our go-to guy. How do you see True Thompson playing out? Like, how do you see so, that middle of the line going? So, to me, actually, is a player that is a little bit under the radar and was someone that we that when you, Dave, and I were at the game, we were like, "Oh, he's playing. Oh, he's playing really well." Because we didn't see that much of him last year, and that's Fabian Lovett, the transfer from Mississippi State from last year, and that's someone that didn't play that much due to injury and. He's agent zero in there. And that to me is going to be the guy that probably starts opposite of uh, Robert Cooper. And I, I say, I put Kier Thomas in there because we needed, to me, he's going to be more of that swing lineman. You put him inside, you put him in the outside. He's someone to spell because Fabian Lovett, he's a big dude, but I don't think you're going to see him like on those second down type of plays. He's going to need a little bit of rest because he's a, he's a, he's a big boy, but Fabian Lovett, we saw in the spring game that he can get after the quarterback, which is something that we, haven't seen a lot. And yep. also for D line for D tackles in particular, their job isn't really specifically to do that. But if you have a D tackle that actually can do that, that's changes the game dramatically. So to me, the big ones are him, Robert Cooper, obviously, true, 
True Thompson, who I think coming into his third year, actually he me yet one sack, which is more, as he pointed out yesterday, than a majority of people on the entire line. And Jared Jackson, the transfer from Louisville that we actually got at the end of Tigers tenure, who is someone else that I think is starting to actually showcase that he, you know, hey, he's committed to the playbook, he's committed to getting into good shape. So I think our line actually is going to be one of the bigger surprises on the year, and we kind of need that to basically force bad passes because our linebacking core is is really, really hit or miss. Yeah, I admittedly, after talking about it on here, talking about it with y'all offline, I, I admittedly probably would say I feel best about our running backs on offense and our D-line on defense, followed by quarterbacks on offense. I mean, I really think Jordan Travis and McKenzie Milton both have the tools to I think they're both the caliber of quarterback that with a good team around them, not saying this team will be that, could both produce a 10-win season. I don't think they would be a weakness on a team. I don't think they're, you know, put them both on the 2013 team. I don't know if they beat Clemson and, you know, beat Auburn, but I think on that team, you know, they win 11 or 12 games, probably go to a, go to an Orange Bowl, that kind of thing. And then probably on defense, I'd say, what would you say? Secondary is probably my second but that's too broad. I think I feel best about our safeties as my second best position group. I feel good about on defense. Um, see, it's really weird because I don't think it's over broad because I think with with what Woodson and Fuller are going to be doing, they're going to take a lot of their corners to play further back and also going to have safeties play closer to the actual line of scrimmage as well. Like I think you're, you're going to see a lot of Brownlee going back and forth because he's a very he's a Swiss Army knife and he that dude a dog and he's going to go wherever you ask him to go to and. But Travis J, too, I think he's going to play a lot corner, too, as well, because I want to see a fully healthy Travis J because apparently he's been playing with a high ankle sprain for all the entire year last year. Same thing with Jerry and Jones, too. And Jerry and Jones, to me, was supposed to be one of those like those alpha male, alpha dogs. And he got burned consistently last year. And so maybe with corner, I'll lean maybe a little more to corners because we have one, we have more of them. And two, I think Brandon Moore. And we have, I think Brandon Moore is definitely going to be like the, probably the leader of that group taking over for Asante Samuel. And, but I think we're on the same page that we, we have probably have the least confidence in our linebacking core. No, I, I think that's absolutely right. That, that is up there with the offensive line for me. I just, I, I don't know. I don't have a ton of confidence in them, but what I do have a ton of confidence in Drake is that this weekend when I'm playing a marathon of Killarn, Seminole and Golden Eagle, that I won't get hungry on the course because I'll have built bars with me. Now, does that mean I'm not going to grab a hot dog at the turn? No, but it means when I'm on like the seventh hole, I'm going to have a built bar there to get me some protein, keep the carbs low, help me feel like I'm not getting weighed down and power through that front nine before my back inevitably gives out on the back nine. And uh, well, that'll be a sad tale. I'm sure I'll kvetch about it on Monday, but either way, guys go to builtbar.com promo code Locked 15, you get 15% off your order. You get great tasting built bars. You get a high protein, low carb snack. I mean, come on. What are you waiting for? You can do it. Builtbar.com, promo code locked 15. But yeah, I, th- I think the I think the secondary as a whole, I feel good about. I mean, you have Miko Dotson back there. You still have Akeem Dent, who I feel good about. I, I don't, you know, I mean, I guess Brownlee, yeah, feel good about him. Um, and then on the other side, playing the boundary, I mean, that should be, we really shouldn't see much go into the boundary between Jerry and Jones and Brandon Moore. I, I'm pretty confident that teams are going to want to throw to that field side quite a bit on us. And, and folks for the uninitiated, I know y'all are smart, you know, more than me, but just in case, you know, you're, you're trying to remember like port and starboard, what we mean, 
you know, in college football, when you land on one side of the field or the other, they put the ball in that hash mark. The boundary corner will play the side nearest to the sidelines. The field corner and the field safety will play the side that has more of that open field. So that's typically your faster guy at safety and your cornerback that's better at jamming, better at press coverage and can, you know, slow down a fast receiver on the outside that has more room to work with. Sorry, Drake. I like that. No, not really. I mean, dude, I mean, come on. How long have I known you? Whenever, I know, you, get, whenever I know. you go into something, you just got to keep going, going. I just sit here, you know, along for the ride and make sure that we stay on top. But no, I mean. Well, I hope our listeners aren't insulted because it's it's funny. It's like I definitely heard people use those terms for a solid half a decade before I finally under like looked them up just to see what they meant. So it's not that I think y'all are dumb. It's that I didn't know. So I'm hoping to save you some time if you also don't. And if you do, well, okay, well. You're, I'm sure your kids tell you stuff you already know all the time. So just treat me like one of them. I mean, whatever, like helps you sleep at night with that. But I mean, the thing is also that we, another thing, I mean, you did point out the safeties are really, really good. And one that I think we need to really look out for that didn't play often because of, you know, injury. And hopefully he comes back to full health is Renardo green. And Renardo green is someone that we definitely need to be at full strength because Travis J can't play there every single out there every single snap. We kind of saw that last year. Maybe it was a little gas. Maybe I mean we kind of now we found out that he actually was hurt. And with Renardo Green actually there to spell him and also to move up to the corner spot, like I was saying earlier, that he's someone that actually loves to play in coverage, loves to play, you know, press a lot of press. And that's someone that we really do need to show out. And I mean, all these DBs, we're playing five of them now with the four-two-five. So we definitely need all all hands on deck for this. Yeah, and and I wonder when you do that four two five if it'll be like a nickel situation where you bring out that extra cornerback, or if they like to opt for sort of a tweener. I believe they call it the 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 buck position where the they one, have the that, that boundary plays. safety that that yeah that'll cheat up. So you'll have you'll have a you'll have a yeah. boundary corner that'll be ideally pressed on a wide out on that side. You'll have a buck that'll cheat up almost. He'll look almost like a linebacker if you don't to the untrained eye. You'll have kind of a free safety center fielder. You'll have like a a field safety, I guess, cheating. Or sorry, then you'll have the nickelback on the right, which will be a corner on the field side, wherever it is. Y'all can't see my hands, but I'm going left to right. You'll have a nickelback, another a third cornerback in there covering the slot, and then you'll have a cornerback on the outside. Or if you have that nickelback, when you have a guy sort of at center field. Sorry, so in that situation, you'd have more of a field safety. So you have someone at center field, then you have a third safety kind of over covering that wide open area, running sort of a a three deep cover three zone type deal with two cornerbacks. Probably will change play to play, but Drake, which which one of those do you feel more comfortable with with the personnel we have? A third corner or a third safety? Um, I personally will probably would feel more comfortable with the third with the third uh, third corner. Sorry. I was gonna say, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, we're gonna disagree. Yeah, we're gonna disagree. No, I think third corner is definitely um the one I feel most comfortable with. I think we're a lot deeper there because you know there were a few kids that we actually still haven't even mentioned the corner spot. Sydney Williams, yep, Demory Tate. Oh, I forgot about him. Amarion Cooper, Hunter Washington. There's a lot, a lot of good kids in the corner in that in a defensive back room. That's why we're so picky right now with a recruiting class with a Travis Hunter and Sam McCall being the only two kids right now that are committed. With potentially, you know, Dion Bowie may, might make the slide down five-star corner from Georgia because, you know, our boy K. Watt is now on staff. So, to me, I feel a lot more comfortable with the corners. So, I, I couldn't agree more. When I look at the the two deep for corners, you know, what I, what I project, right, we've got, like I said, we're going to be locked down on that boundary side with Jarian Jones and Brandon Moore. 
then it's kind of what's the personnel look like. So you got Jarvis Brownlee or Miko Dotson on the other side, have both of them on the other side or have one of them on the field and have Jerry and Jones and Brandon Moore out there. You could have, you know, I mean, shoot, you could Akeem Dents roaming around there. And, and you mentioned Hunter Washington. He's a kid I'm really excited for. I, I don't expect to see much from him this year because of the depth, but I mean, he was a four-star. He's out of Texas. Tape on him's great. Recruiting on him, or uh, you know what I mean? Scouting reports on him are great. I think once you have him kind of as Dotson leaves and, well, I guess we have a few more years of Dotson, don't we? No, no, uh, I, think, I think I think I think we actually have two more years because yeah. of the co- because of the COVID year, and also remember he did play only three games, had the hip surgery, so he can apply for a medical gray shirt to have the extra year of eligibility, right. aka what Jordan Shipley did over at Texas back in I think two thousand eight when Cole McCoy played against Texas. I mean, sorry, against Alabama, and then I mean our DB room is wrong. The fact that you play. remember that blows my mind. I mean, I do. I crush trivia, bro. You should know this by now. Come <laughs> on, man. I'm a trivia god. Um, but our, our DB room, yeah, like Hunter Watson, I'm very excited about. Amari and Cooper is another one. That I think they just came in. And you're right. We might not see much of them to play. But, I mean, with Hunter Watson, I'm right there with you. I watched a lot of his tape. I mean, he did – I think he won the Texas State Championship for his district. I'm sorry, for his – um, what do you call it? The division level? Division, like 6A, yeah, yeah, 6A. Division level 6A. And for Texas, Texas, that's no joke. That's almost Texas is almost, in my personal opinion, on the same level of quality of football as Florida. So that's something that, you know, you definitely, and he also was MVP that, of that game too. So, yeah, no, Texas is up there. I mean, for me, high, this can be a conversation for another episode, but I will always be partial to Florida. Duh. Duh. I, I think your tier one is kind of Florida, California, and Texas. And then you sort of have like tier one, a to me, kind of like the group of five mm-hmm. where you've got, there aren't five of them, but just, you know, you have sort of your Ohio, your Georgia's, um, your Pennsylvania probably is still up there. Uh, kind of that, kind of that, that, that they're not second tier, but they're tier one A just because they're not nearly the size of mm-hmm. California, Texas, or, or Florida. But, you know, I think the biggest divisions in those states probably compete with the smaller half of divisions in the bigger states. And what did you say? You said uh, Georgia and what did you say? Pennsylvania? Like Georgia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, I'm about to say like Ohio those to states. Me, Ohio to me is something I would have supremely up there. They, they perennially oh, yeah. put out like defensive ends and quarterbacks. Like it's no one else's business. I mean, I totally, it's yeah. insane. And they also, they have the wrestling background too. Like, I mean, if you look at any True. good college wrestler, like, and they also play football, it's always from the state of Ohio. Yeah, I, I just don't think you you don't see the player to player depth in Ohio because there's just less kids. But yeah, I don't know what it goes up to, but a six A state champ in Ohio will definitely compete with like a one two three and four A state champ in Florida. Um, but you know, there's that. What's that really good school up there? Xavier, I think it's called. There's um, Xavier and the Saint Ignatius, and then I know yeah. also for like other sports, like Westlake is a really good one. So Bay High. Yeah, so there's a lot of good sports all around. But anyway, look, I'm confident about our. Our defensive backs. Um, so so again, confidence for me. And then Drake, I want to hear yours, and then we'll let the people go about their day. So for me, offense, I'm most confident in running backs. Defense, I'm most confident in D-line, cheating towards the interior there. Uh, then I'm second most confident in our quarterback play on the on the offensive side, and I'm second most confident in our secondary on the defensive side. You got any uh, amendments to that before we take off? Yeah, I'm actually most confident in quarterbacks. Um, I good because I think the best running back in the entire team is Jordan Travis. Um, if he if he plays, if he starts, I know he's going to get a lot of those red red zone packages, those, those you know sub packages as well. So he's going to be playing that way. But I think Mackenzie Milton also is probably the most talented person on your offense. If we get even even close to eighty five percent of what he was before the injury, then to me I will go running backs, 
and then wideouts, which we haven't really touched, but I think the Andrew Parkman kid's gonna be a stud. Hey, we gotta we gotta save some we gotta save something for Friday for the no, people. Yes, gotta, gotta save a little. You're save. right, you're right, you're right. But no, for defense, for probably show. probably for defense, I am I wanna disagree with you, but I do feel most comfortable with the defensive tackles up the middle with like Fabian Love at Rob, Robert Cooper, aka Trench Monster, then followed by defensive ends, then defensive backs, and then linebacking core. Dude, that's what I like to hear. So, folks, thanks for joining us today. Like I said, we are going to be still bringing some personality, but we're really transferring to the football talk. We are ready to rock and roll. The season is, for all intents and purposes, right around the corner. And, dude, I can hear homegrown buzzing through my TV. I can taste the Mick Ultras at 9 a.m., which I don't get to do as much anymore due to responsibilities and fatherhood. But whatever, I can feel the season upon us, and I cannot be more excited to spend it with you, to spend it with Dave, and to spend it with all of our listeners. So for that, that's Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and sitting there with the back signal, we got Drizzy Drake, Andre Silva. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Take care, my guys. And ladies. Ladies.